Can you read it? Can you see it? Okay, well, why don't, why don't we read it together then? Uh, the divine inspiration and supreme authority of the Old and New Test- Testament Scriptures, which are the written Word of God, fully trustworthy for faith and conduct. Uh, if, you, if you become a member uh, here at Lisbon Baptist Church, and if you love the Lord Jesus and you see this as his spiritual home, that's what we want you to be. Uh, because in, in deciding to become a member, what you're saying is, is that I just want to be at the heart of what God is doing in this community within this local fellowship. And uh, in the membership booklet, booklet that we send you, um, our um, statement of faith um, is at the back of that booklet. And uh, this is one of the statements that we make. And uh, let me just read it again to you. We believe in the divine inspiration and supreme authority of the Old and New Testament scriptures, which are the written word of God, fully trustworthy for faith and conduct. I can honestly say that I don't know where I would be without this book. Um, I don't know where I would be in terms of our relationship, my husband and wife, as a dad, uh, as a son, um, in terms of friendship, uh, the whole thing in terms of uh, my role as as an employee. Uh, in my past life, or as your, your pastor uh, here now, um, we, we go to it for for this. In terms of guidance, anybody here right now just seeking God in terms of what the future might look like, we'll go here. You know, don't don't do that. You just do that and turn the pages. Just let God speak into uh, your life. See, this isn't just any book. As our statement of faith says, we believe this book is divinely inspired. It's just not another book that you have on your bookshelf. It is the book of books. It is God's word to us. But I need to share with you that a real concern that I have and many pastors that that I know have is that for many of our people, uh, we just don't read God's Word. That's the huge tragedy. There are so many Bibles, maybe in our homes, um, but often they just stay closed. And that is a tragedy. A tragedy. Have a look at uh, some of these statistics that are coming up on the next slide. Uh, this was an article that was in Christianity Today. I don't know if you actually get that uh, or uh, look at it on the web. It says that 19% of churchgoers <clears throat> personally read the Bible every day. say they read the Bible once a week. And 22% say that they read it once a month or a few times a month. And we're all in the same boat here, okay? Um, If we're Christian, if if we claim to love the Lord Jesus Christ and for this to be the authority in our lives, we are part of those statistics, I want to read these words, uh, not from a Christian, but from somebody you um, uh, will know and you will admire. Um, And his name is Gandhi. Uh, Have a look at what he says. He says, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet, but you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. 
How thought-provoking is that? Well, let me give you another one. This is from um, a pastor called Stuart Briscoe. So what he says, uh, he says, we are producing a church that has a fundamental problem of biblical illiteracy. Biblical illiteracy leads to spiritual anorexia. Spiritual anorexia will mean that as you are burning up non-existent calories, you're eventually impoverishing your soul and you will experience the barrenness of busyness. I think that quote is so helpful and challenging, I'm going to read it again. We're producing a church that has a fundamental problem of biblical illiteracy. Biblical illiteracy leads to spiritual anorexia. Spiritual anorexia will mean that as you are burning up non-existent calories, you're eventually impoverishing your soul, and you will experience the barrenness of busyness. I love that phrase, the barrenness of busyness. And I think it's so on note. It doesn't matter who I speak to, they tell me, Dave, I'm so busy. Anybody relate to that? And the trouble is with busyness, and I do believe that the enemy fuels our busyness, because the busier that we get, the more barren we become. Because the busier that we get, the less time we're able to invest in our relationship, to invest in our soul, to invest in our heart. Um, there are so many gaps in Bible knowledge, and please forgive me again, but it is my humor. Uh, I've, uh, I might have shared these with you before, but this is just for fun. Uh, the following answers were given by 11-year-olds in an RE test, okay? And they're not going to come up on the screen, so you'll need to listen. Uh, this was uh, one answer. Ancient Egypt was inhabited by mummies, and they all wrote in hydraulics. <laughs> they lived in the Sarah Desert. The climate of the Sarah is such that all inhabitants have to live elsewhere. Is that fabulous? <laughs> How about this one? I like this one. Moses led the Hebrew slaves to the Red Sea, where they made unleavened bread, which is bread made without any ingredients at all. <laughs> I like that one. But my favorite is this one. Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. <laughs> But, but it is one thing for an 11-year-old to be hazy about uh, scripture. It's another thing when a, a man in his 50s is, or whatever age you are. Uh, we, we need to know. We need to know this. Um, have a look at uh, these verses uh, that are coming up on the screen from Psalm 19, verses um, 7 to 11. This is from the Living Translation. The psalmist says, God's laws are perfect. They protect us, make us wise, and give us joy and light. God's laws are pure, eternal, just. They are more desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. For they warn us away from harm and give success to those who obey him. 
I'd like us to use uh, these verses uh, for uh, giving us some good grounding, some good reasons as to why we need to invest our time in getting to know uh, this book. The first one is, I was saying earlier, that this is divinely inspired. This is not just some good advice. This is God speaking to us. It says in those verses that God's laws are perfect. God's laws are pure, eternal, and just. These aren't any old words. They're the words of a loving father. These are words that are alive and that he longs to speak into our situation. Have a look at uh, these other verses from the New Testament. To Timothy it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How can they do that? Because they're alive. God is wanting to speak to us day by day. As I mentioned earlier, he speaks to us through the word, but he also speaks to us in other ways. I find that he often speaks into my mind. He'll just say to me, Dave, I want you to do something. And of course, what we have to do when you hear that, you have to test it against scripture. And I'll come on to that in a moment. And I was sharing with uh, one of you just just last, last weekend that last, not this Wednesday just gone, but the Wednesday before, I had a distinct impression that God said to me, you need to contact somebody within the fellowship. And it was clear. And what did this numpty do? I got on with something else and I forgot. The following weekend, I got speaking to this individual and I said, um, was there something, something going on last Wednesday? Uh, and they shared to me that they were actually in really dire straits at that time. Do you know, I promised, I promised myself years ago that when you hear something like that from God, act on it. Have a guess how I felt when I spoke to that individual. I felt about that big. Because God had spoken and I hadn't acted. It wasn't out of, um, it wasn't act out of disobedience or whatever. I, I was just getting on with something else. And have, have you noticed how Jesus constantly, in terms of the things that he did, he was interrupted. It's as if God just said to him, okay, I need you to pause now. I know you're getting on with this, Jesus, but actually I need you to pause because actually this is where your mission and your ministry is right now. And that's what God clearly laid on my heart that particular day. But because of busyness or whatever, I just got on to something else. And I missed what God had intended, not just for my blessing, but for the help and the blessing of somebody else. And so can I just say to you, please, 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 when you hear that, those prompts, you sense this from the Lord, uh, just gulp, take a step, and speak into that person's life. Oh, go and visit them, or, or whatever. Are you hearing that? Are you hearing that? Please, don't do what I did uh, last Wednesday. But secondly, not only is it God's word, but it, it's truth. His word is true for each of us. It says God's laws are perfect. God's laws are pure, eternal, and just. 
Now, we live in a day, of course, when uh, nobody believes in absolute truth. Uh, well, I do, actually, and I know a few of you do. But actually, out there in society, people don't, they'll say, oh, it might be true for you, Dave. But it doesn't necessarily make it uh, true uh, for me. But actually, we, we believe that this is the truth. I've shared with you previously that uh, when I was a pastor down in Tynmouth, um, a man came up to me, a um, really lovely guy, uh, and he'd been a member of our church for a number of years, and uh, he said, Dave, I need to see you. And so he met with me, and uh, he said, Dave, so I need to just share with you that um, I'm actually having an affair. He said, but Dave, don't worry. I've had a word with the Lord, and he said, it's okay. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean that it's okay? He said, well, the Lord, the, what the Lord has assured me is that normally it's not right. But in this case, because my motives are so pure, that he's okay with it. Well, guess what I said to him? He left the church. And, I, and I'm really pleased that he did. Because we don't need that kind of hypocrisy. Because I actually said to him, God's not said that to you, because if you knew anything of God's word, he, you know that he wants you to honor the marriage bed. He wants you to live a sacrificial life in such that you honor your wife before yourself. That's what God's word says. I know sadly that relationships sometimes have to end. We know that because some people are so terribly abused in relationships. I get that and my heart bleeds for those people. But, but they're not hitting the ejector button. They're usually fighting for their relationship. This man wasn't doing that. But what he was doing was that he was saying, actually, God has spoken to me. And that's why I was saying to you a little bit earlier that when you sense that God has spoken to you, take it back to Scripture. See if it aligns with what he says. If I were to ask you um, what you think about something, uh, to get your view on it, uh, what would be your uh, framework? What would be your source of reasoning? You see, for us as Christians, it has to be this word. Uh, have a look at uh, these verses that are coming up. Um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we want to know truth, we need to know Jesus. And we need to know what Jesus declares about himself in the Old and the New Scriptures. Have a look at the, this verse in John chapter 18, verse 37. And if you remember, Jesus is on trial, uh, this mock trial anyway. And he's before Pilate. And uh, picking up the story, it says, You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify, what? To the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Such powerful words. But then listen to what Pilate asked. What's truth? It's nothing new under the sun, isn't it? It was a cynical politician who was saying, really? Come on. I just do the spin thing. And Jesus said, I don't do spin. I do truth. Uh, one of our congregation is a really good decorator. And, um, and when, when they go and they do some wallpapering, 
Um, what they will use, of course, is a plumb line. Why do they use a plumb line? Because if they don't, they get wallpaper that looks like ours, uh, which is slightly off the left, which isn't wrong, it's just different, okay? <laughs> but, but the thing is, of course, it, it's wrong. Because you, you need that plumb line because that's what you're measuring against. Well, this is our plumb line. So when I'm asking you about, if I'm asking your opinion, what is your framework? What is your source of reference? Where do you go? Do you go to the media? How about Wikipedia? It's got to be right on there. We go to scripture. Let this word guide our lives. The third point I want to make here is that his word keeps us from hurting ourselves and others. The psalmist says in verses 7 and 11, says, Your word protects us, and they warn us away from harm. If I go back to that illustration in Tynmouth, I had a meeting three weeks later with this man who had received this divine revelation that it was okay for him to have an affair, I, I had a meeting with his wife. I'll never forget that meeting. To see somebody who just felt as if her heart had been put in a blender. About a life that she devoted to this man, and, um, and because she was getting older and uh, not as sexy as she once was, uh, was rejected and put to one side because this fit young thing just happened to come along who understood him. <coughs> I'd love to give men a slap sometimes, wouldn't you? It disgusts me, it really does. It just disgusts me. You know, one of the great privileges that I have is to be involved in marriages and, uh, do, and, and do the ceremony. And every, t every time uh, I'm, I'm involved in, in, in this, um, the vows just jump off the page in sickness and in health. In good times, in bad, for better, for worse. Where, where do you think they come from? Where do you think that kind of covenant comes from? It comes from here. Why? Because he wants to stop the children that he's created from so damaging each other by straying uh, off the path. I, I read this a little bit early, but have a look at it. It's a, it's a great few verses. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11. How can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I, I do like this quote from D.L. Moody. I think it sums it up quite nicely. It says, sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. I got an email this week, and it went something like this. Why do they put the Gideon's Bibles in the bedrooms and not the bar? 
It's great, isn't it? Because it's actually in the bar that's needed. Because by the time you've taken that young lady back to the bedroom, it's too late. It's about allowing God's word to shape us. Allowing God's word to make those hard decisions that say sometimes, you know, my marriage might be going very, very difficultly at the moment. By the way, that's not personal testimony. All right, okay? Um, But there have been times for Sue and me when it has been tough. And it has been hard, especially when the kids were much younger. Uh, And all of you know about those seasons where it's difficult. And you go back to God's word and you go back to those promises, those covenant promises that you've made to each other. And you said, I will live like this. Why? Because it feels good? No, because you know that God's word is true, God's word is perfect. And God loves the best for his children. We thank God that we've worked through some of those tough seasons. Remember what Jesus did when he was tempted in the desert? Tell me, what, what did Jesus do when he was tempted in the desert? He just quoted scripture at the, at the enemy. The enemy comes and tempts him in different ways. And those temptations must have been quite remarkable. Because Satan will have spent hundreds, if not thousands of years, thinking about actually what he was going to do at that point. And Jesus comes back to him with scripture. How could Jesus come back to him with scripture? Because he'd eaten it. It was inside him. He devoured it. The psalmist says in Psalm 19, verse 7, His words make us wise and give us joy and light. Truth be told is that I never feel more alive than when I'm drinking in God's word. Some of the prayers, thank you for the way that you led us in prayers. We sing great songs. If only I could live what I sing. You're all I need. You're all I, I want. God, may that be the case. I think that, is, I think that is the heart song for most of us here, isn't it? But we know that other stuff gets in the way. But when we allow God to actually get those first choices, we are more joyful uh, people, so uh, time's gone. But so, how can we, how can we apply this? How can we get God's word into our busy lives? Well, there's no, nothing clever about this, but you make it a priority. I've written down here. Let me just read what I said. I, I said we get done what we want to get done. Would you agree with that? We get done what we want to get done. We are responsible for the choices we make. Listen to this, please. This has come to me before it's come to you. If we are choosing not to spend time alone with God, we are making the wrong choices. Let me just say it again. If we are choosing not to spend time alone with God, we are making wrong choices. Got it? Of course we get it. The thing is, what are we going to do with it? What am I going to do? What are you going to do with it? Uh, Have a look at this quote from George Muller. George Muller is a, a hero of mine man of great faith, uh, who set up a number of um, orphanages in Bristol. He says, The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. I solemnly state this from the experience of 54 years. Then goes on to say, The first three years after conversion, I neglected the word of God. Since, 
I began to search it diligently. The blessing has been wonderful. Great has been the blessing from consecutive, diligent, daily study. I look upon it as a lost day when I've not had a good time over the Word of God. Isn't that a great verse? Uh, sorry, great quote. Um, if you'd like it, again, with all of these things, you'd like them, whatever, then we can actually email them out to you. Um, I think we need to sit with this. Um, Steve um, uh, will put this again up on our website. and Get the MP3 downloaded. Let's stay with this. It's really crucial. If we really want to grow in our Christian life, we need to stay with this. We need to allow God's Word to become paramount uh, in uh, our lives. Um, I wanted to share a story I've shared with you uh, before. You know all this big thing about oil prices at the moment and how they're um, so low. And, and of course we're rejoicing because we're paying less at the, uh, at the petrol station. Um, but I remember being told a story about a farmer in Texas. And he, he was scratching a living. Uh, uh, he had chickens. Uh, I think he had some, uh, some beef stock. And, uh, but because the, the land was so arid and dry, it just could barely make ends meet. And then he got a visit uh, from one of the oil companies and said, would you mind us drilling? And what they, what they found was that he was sitting on top of one of the biggest oil reserves in Texas. I come back to that story, <clears throat> not to share with you so much, but to share with me. We're sitting on the greatest resource, apart from Jesus, that God can give us. And we're not drilling into it. And we're not bringing up from it all of that wealth that God wants us to enjoy. So often we're just scratching around on the surface. Just getting frustrated because we're just getting by. Can I just say to you, if you keep putting God second, third or fourth, that's all you're ever going to do in life. You're just going to get by. You're going to go from one busy schedule to another busy schedule. You're going to go from one wasted year to another wasted year. I particularly want to say that to some of you younger ones here, where I think some of the pressures on you in terms of busyness, if you don't learn and choose to put God first right now, you never will. And you will waste and miss the life that God intends for you. Why can I say that so passionately? Because I can look back on so many wasted years in my life. And I just think, I wish I'd made some better choices earlier on. So practical help on getting into God's Word. Decide on a time. Uh, it says in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, The model for... Nearly all of us, not for, not for every one of you, but for most of us, is get up and spend time with Jesus. And I know for some of you, you're going to say, well, I've got young kids, that's, 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 that's impossible. Look, I'm not saying that this isn't something that you can move to some other time. But for most of us, that's going to be the place. Start the day with the Lord. Commit it to Him. Commit your soul to Him. Do the confession really early on. Ask Him to fill you to give you the strength, to give you the wisdom, to give you those opportunities of sharing His truth and His grace elsewhere. When you start with Him, the day is then, it, it's in His hands. You're putting it uh, there. Decide on a time, decide on a place, find a place. Now for you that might be walking. I've got a friend called Terry, his time with, with the Lord is out actually walking along a golf course uh, with his dog called Peppy. 
And that's where he does his business with God, because that's the way God's designed him. That's how he's, he comes more alive when he's outside. For some of you, it'll be a chair. For some of you, it'll be a candle, okay? I'm really, I don't know what's happened to me. I'm really getting into flowers, and I'm really getting into candles, okay? And, and I wear pink shirts, and so um, <laughs> the Lord is really changing me, and I'm so happy about all of those things. Um, but I come into the lounge, and I'm putting candles on. And uh, why? Because it actually saves on electricity. No, no, because actually what I found is that candles are incredibly expensive. Um, but I just love them. And, and I love this whole thing about just letting that candle just flicker. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Just allowing myself to just, just me and Jesus. <laughs> when I was younger, I would have thought, Really? That wasn't how I connected with God. I'm changing. Why? Because I'm changing. So you decide on a time, you decide on a place, but you also come prayerfully. If you come to God's word uh, without asking for the Holy Spirit to illuminate it, it is going to be dry as a board. Uh, Sue and I had a meal, uh, we had some soup out the other day, and we served bread. This lovely bread roll, it came. Uh, honestly, if you'd thrown it at somebody, you could have killed somebody. It's unbelievable. So, um, so I said to the waiter, excuse me, I said, uh, could I possibly have a, a role I can actually get my dentures into? And uh, he said, certainly, sir. And he came back and he brought us slices of bread which were harder than the roll. So I'm not sure what he was trying to say to us. Um, that is what God's word is going to be like to you. It won't be tasty, it won't be edifying, it won't be satisfying unless the Holy Spirit illuminates it. So if you think you're going to come to it because you've got this really big brain, and, and allow all of your intellect to come into it, and, and God speak to me, he's going to go, really? Because God says, you are blind without me giving you eyes. You are deaf without me opening your ears. You are dead without me giving you life. Okay? Get it. The thing I get encouraged about, do you, do you remember the quotes this, this week that Dan Bigger was Lazarus? Do, do you see those? See, God believes in resurrection. Now, I'm not saying that Dan Bigger is Lazarus. Um, but what I am saying is, is that the dead life that we have within us, God can raise up. Now, for some of you here, you're going to think, oh, Dave, I'm, actually, I'm not that academic, so how can I understand God's word? You don't have to be academic. You just have to be hungry. When you're hungry, God will fill you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry again. Just come. Ask the Spirit. William Law wrote this, Without the present illumination of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God must remain a dead letter to every man, no matter how intelligent or well-educated he may be. It is just as essential for the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of Scripture to the reader today as it was necessary for him to inspire the writers in their day. That's a great quote. I come to Scripture, see... Jesus, I'm blind. Help me see. Jesus, I'm deaf. Help me to hear. Come dependent. But also come expectantly. That quote from earlier, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. God wants to speak to you. I've got a feeling he's been speaking to us this morning.
The question is for me and for you, what are we going to do with it? These finite lives that go like that, they're just a vapor, aren't they? What are we going to do with the days that we've got left? Whose lives are they? Now, if we're Christian, of course, we say they're Jesus' life. Well, let's give them to him. Let's allow him to shape us and to move us and to mold us, to inspire us, to equip us, to thrill us, to scare us on this adventure that he's called discipleship. And it starts here. It starts here. Let's pray. Father, we want to be healthy. None of us here want to be ill. So you say, feed on me. Get the right diet. Help us to eat the right things, Lord. Father, would you help me to know what I need to put in place to ensure that I devour your word day by day? Father, we don't want to have eating disorders. We want to be strong in you and effective for you. So help us, we pray, to grapple with what you've shared with us this morning. Challenging. But it's just a mist. It's just a vapor. It's just a passing of time unless we do something about it. So please, by your Spirit, help us. Help us to put things in place so that you increasingly become Lord of our choices, Lord of our minds, Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.